0: Welcome to the Guitar Your Way podcast. This podcast, working in conjunction with the Guitar Your Way method program, is designed to help and inspire you become the best guitarist you can be. The Guitar Your Way program is a virtual community of like-minded guitarists across the United States. Registration to this unique virtual community and active learning program is available for free once registering your newly purchased Alhambra guitar, please log on to Serenaduo.com to find more information about the Guitar Your Way community, learning program, and courses available. In this episode, we will take a close look at the Bore and E minor, but I'd also like to expose the myth and mystery behind the Bach Lute Suites in general. As students of the guitar, we learn that Bach wrote four lute suites and several other works for the instrument. We are taught that these are early examples of contrapuntal writing and extended melodic form for our instrument. For centuries, the question has remained, did Bach actually play the lute? Therefore, the mystery is such, did Bach write these for the lute? Did he have some type of other instrument work with? How and why did these pieces become so strongly associated as ancestral rites of passage for the guitarist? We will discuss a little history, a little mystery, and see how it can all benefit our performance. In browsing the internet, I came across an article titled The Myth of Bach's Lute Suites by Clive Titmus. This was originally published in Classical Guitar Canada. Clive suggests a more up-to-date reading of the evidence would be that Bach did not write any music specifically intended for solo lute. He goes on to suggest that the works lie well within the confines of Bach's established keyboard style and it is increasingly more evident that Bach wrote these works from his clavier modified to sound like a lute. Suite number one in E minor, BWV996, appears to be the earliest piece for lute harpsichord. Our boré and discussion is the fifth movement from this suite. Be reminded that in his lifetime, Bach did not enjoy the reputation he has today. It is not until the early 19th century, when Mendelssohn revives his music through a performance of St. Matthew's Passion, that Bach becomes a pillar of our civilization, arguably one of the big three of Western composition. Bearing that in mind, if Bach remained dormant for nearly 75 years, then it's easy to recognize that his lute works, whether written for the instrument or not, became an even deeper mystery. By the mid-19th century, the publication of music became the commerce of the industry. In 1851, an effort was made to begin publishing Bach's entire catalog. By 1897, corrected versions of the English and French suites Additional preludes and suites, particularly this suite in E minor, were published and re-edited. This led to a great deal of written criticism about the publications. In 1905, organist and physician Albert Schweitzer suggests that, quote, what Bach meant to do with this clavier is not quite clear. It could only be of use for playing his lute compositions on a keyed instrument, end quote. In 1900, five years earlier, organist and part-time lutenist Wilhelm Tappert makes a name for himself challenging the Bach Gesellschaft editions of these lute suites. Tappert simply declared, without evidence, that Bach was clearly a lute player and in fact even gave lessons on the lute. At the dawn of the 20th century, the stage was set. These pieces were simply lute works. Whether they were written on the lute or for the lute from a keyboard, it didn't matter. The 20th century gives way to the great expansion of the classical guitar. Of course, Andreas Segovia leads the way, and does so with works from every time period, including the Baroque, and including works from the lute suites. The influence he has upon the next generation such as Julian Bream, John Williams, Christopher Parkening, etc. assures that the Bach lute suites take on a whole new form, recognized as comprehensive works for the guitar from the 18th century. Either way, the music is magnificent. Simply put, it is Bach. Whether it was played on the lute or played on a keyboard, As much of Bach's material proves, it doesn't matter whether you play it on a ukulele, a mandolin, a guitar, or even a kazoo. It's wonderful music. Unique to this piece is its influence on popular music. The list of artists that have found influence from the Boré include Paul McCartney, Ian Anderson, Steve Howe, Lenny Burrow, Leo Kotke, Christopher Thiel, Tenacious D, Jimmy Page, Richie Blackmore, and many others. Let's move our discussion to more specific content regarding the Bore in E minor from the first lute suite. So, what is a Bore? Well, a Bore is a type of dance that originates in France, generally with a quick duple meter and a subtle accent on the upbeat. In addition to its upbeat accent, the swing of the piece, for lack of a better word, is actually on the second half of the measure. Oftentimes it's published in 4-4, but as it's a two-beat selection, it might be more practical to approach the performance of any boré in a two-beat function, that is, a cut-time feel. In cut time, or 2-2, the sense of accent is easier to, quote, turn over and put a stress on the second beat of the measure rather than the first, which is generally something that happens in all borés. The upcoming audio track is my recording of the boré in E minor. You'll notice I play with a more relaxed tempo, as I believe allegros from the Baroque period are not as aggressive as they would be from the 21st century. Second, as per our discussion in the first half of this podcast, my trills are not on a single string but rather employ a cross-string style. I happen to think that that is more in line with a keyboard-like performance. It's all a matter of interpretation. I don't believe there's a right or a wrong way to do this. It's just the way I prefer. So enjoy. Enjoy. Here is my performance of the Boré in E minor from Johann Sebastian Bach's First Lute Suite, BWV 996. For members of the Guitar Your Way learning community, you can find the full transcription of this performance in our Google Classroom. This podcast is made possible through the support of Alhambra Guitars, Hoshino USA, and, of course, all my students, past, present, and future. Additional sponsors include RC Strings and Fishman Electronics. Thank you for listening.